folks, and welcome back to the footyjumpers.com podcast. My name is Rob, and with me is my co-host, Lucky. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Footy Jumpers podcast. So, last episode, we reached about 2004, um, so this mm. this episode, we'll just be taking it on, knocking, knocking the ball forward. We'll go from episode, yeah, we'll go about 2005, I think, to about 2009, and um, yeah, I think we'll just sort of start off right where we right where we left. I mean, at the end of the episode, we mentioned the heritage round, so I think oh, that's a, a great place to start. So, um, what was it? Why don't we do it anymore? What sort of what's the go with heritage round? Well, the concept of heritage round. Well, look, the the cynical ones would say it was so that clubs had an opportunity to sell more jumpers. Uh, it was. <laughs> The idea was to showcase some of the heritage of the clubs and, you know, supposedly was to celebrate the history of footy. Um, didn't didn't always quite work out like that. Uh, I mm. think there was a fair bit where clubs just tried to make something different, um, you know, something that was different from their regular home jumpers that people might be interested in purchasing. Um yeah, I mean, for the, uh, that's a little bit cynical, as I say, because, you know, quite a few of them were some of the old designs that supporters know and loved from years gone by. Uh, Brisbane, for example, wore some of the old Fitzroy jumpers, some of the uh, one of the old Brisbane Bears jumpers. Uh, so that was pretty good. Uh, we also had, well, Essendon wore a black jumper with a thin red sash. That didn't really count. Uh, um, <laughs> oh, the Footscray one was the original Footscray one, or Bulldogs wearing a Footscray jumper, was a, sort of a, a take on the 1935 jumper. It wasn't exactly the same as those jumpers. Uh, they they missed bits here and there. They missed the the, the yoke uh, that those jumpers have. And so that was, yeah, I guess there's a few that, yeah, you can either look at the positives or the negatives. But, um, yeah, there were a few where they just either you know, phoned it in a little bit. Melbourne, for example, they had, their original version was basically the same as their 96 uh, centenary celebration jumper, which still had a yoke on it, which they just didn't have until the 1930s. And then, uh, you know, they had the reinforcing up the middle, which is what they did have on their original lace-up jumpers. Mm. Uh, the St. one, that was interesting. The 2005, they had one where they used the the gold or the yellow from um, when they changed their colours from black, white, and red, which was Germany in World War One, to black, yellow, and red, or black, gold, and red, uh, which was Belgium, which was you know they were on our side. Yeah. Um, they. Well, I think the thing with all of these jumpers is they sort of get designed the year before. Uh, they get approved, they get manufactured, and so on, and then they get worn in the you know, in that next season. And so I do remember actually being involved with the St Kilda one, and they had made a decision to go with the three panels, the black, gold, and red panels, a little bit like what their home jumper is today, and then 
uh, Russell Holmesby, who's the St Kilda historian, I went to his office in... Uh, he had an office at Moorabbin Oval, mm-hmm. and he's just got this massive collection of photographs, and he's got them all in a folder for every year. And uh, basically, between the two of us, we agreed that the you know, what they probably looks like they've done is just dyed the red, white, and black thinner striped jumpers but by the time we'd had that meeting come up with it and then reported back to the St Kilda board they said oh well you're a bit late we've already approved it and they're already getting made and so they ended up in the war I think against Geelong in 2005 Uh, so Mm. and I'm going to verify that they actually they wore them against North Melbourne so not Geelong at all Um, so yeah so there's a few where yeah you know in some cases, they just didn't know. Um, in some cases, they didn't really care. Or they, uh, I know Richmond, for example, they wore one in 2004 and it was black with a yellow yoke instead of a sash or a band or stripes. They wore stripes in 03. They wore this yoke thing in 04. And I know the, the guys from the Richmond Museum were saying to them, that's not what we ever wore. We didn't wear a yoke just by itself there would have been players that had a chamois yoke kind of holding their jumper together but they always wore yellow stripes on their black jumpers even if they painted them on and richmond apparently the board at the time uh just reported back well we think people will buy this one they won't buy that one so that we're going with this so Mm. yeah there's a little bit of um what would you call it? Yeah, well, as I say, the cynics would say we're just trying to make them um, more marketable and and varied from what their home jumpers were. Uh, in terms of why we don't have a home, or sorry, why we don't have heritage round anymore, uh, there's a few parts to that. Initially, clubs were wearing uh, ones in club colours. Then some clubs like Hawthorne wore a blue jumper with red and white braces, which was their first jumper. Uh, no one was interested in a blue jumper with red and white braces <laughs> as a Hawthorne yeah. jumper. Nobody, nobody was interested in that. Port Adelaide tried some of their earlier colours. Um, I mean, their original one was magenta and blue, but then when they wore it in the heritage round, they changed it to maroon because they didn't want it to look like it was hot pink, which magenta actually is. Uh, so firstly, they changed their colours to make it look more marketable and then nobody wanted that either because Port Adelaide are, well, either prison bars uh, traditionally, you know, in their heritage or these days teal, black and white. And so, again, it just wasn't popular with their supporters. And so there was that... Uh, mix of trying to make it marketable to the supporter base, trying to reflect the heritage that it was supposed to be representing. And then the initial problem they had was uh, the concept was to buy the jumpers at wholesale from the manufacturers, sell them through the club shop, you know, at a retail price and make a markup on the difference. The problem was then that... um, the clubs had to basically sell a minimum of half of what they bought them for at the wholesale price to sell them at the retail price of double. You know, they had to sell half of their jumpers just to break even. And I know there's at least three clubs that didn't do that. They didn't sell as many jumpers as they bought in. I mean, you've got to buy so many in extra large, so many in large, medium, small, kid sizes, all of those sorts of things. Um, 
when mm. they bought them they ended up buying too many and they were still selling them years and years later for 40 bucks, you know, just to get something back for them and <laughs> couldn't sell them. Uh, so what they ended up doing was because they get their match-worn jumpers provided to them by the manufacturer and, and you also you get usually one in every jumper number uh, and then you'll also get a second set of those for the blood rule. So the clubs would have 80 jumpers and then they would just sell those on AFL auctions or whatever the websites were that were selling it. And so that was the way that they ended up making money out of the heritage round. Um, mm. So why does it not exist? Because well, mostly they it just lost popularity in terms of its purpose, which was to sell jumpers, realistically. Um, yeah. Yes. Do you think it could come back at all? Because I feel like... Now it's like we see some trends where like a lot of 90s sort of era merchandise is sort of coming back into popularity yeah, and things I, like that. Uh, true. I think what they'll do is they'll bring back those sort of things which supporters will buy uh, rather than a game-worn jumper just because it's almost just become the market of collectors of Guernseys now. You know, yeah. and, and there is, you know, there's a few people that collect jumpers, and especially match worn jumpers. Some people just collect jumpers in general, but that's a very small part of the market. Whereas if you can sell a tracksuit top or, or something like that that everyone identifies with, you're going to get a much larger marginal audience for that. So yeah, I agree. I mean, the other thing, you know, we do find that some clubs will still do a retro style jumper. Uh, Geelong did one this year, 2022. Mm. Uh, you'll find other clubs. Uh, uh, Frio did one, Footscray. 2022 Footscray, as well. And sorry, did Footscray as well? Uh, yes, they did. Yeah, that's right. They yes. did just um, the 22 and two as well. So yeah, so they've all done some sort of one. Frio have done one probably the last three years now, mm. and. Chances are they'll probably have another go, but at some point they're going to run out of jumpers that they used to wear. Yeah. So yeah. You know, maybe they start at the beginning. I don't know. But, I guess I think Frio is um, a good example of that too, where people, because of that jumper that they wore in this year, looks so different to the rest. Like I think a lot of people did purchase that that jumper just because it looks so strange with the the animated anchor well, coming down as a sash. Yeah, I, I would agree, and I think that's part of the the problem that they had with Heritage Round is you had to make them different enough that they stood out. Uh, they have to also, people needed some sort of attachment to them as well. Like the Melbourne 1925 jumper, no one's alive that saw Melbourne play in 1925. So no one's got an attachment to yeah. that jumper. Back yeah, they won the flag. Oh, terrific. Well, 12, 26, they won the flag. Um, you know, no one remembers that. No one was there. No one had good feelings about it. Mm. No one had, you know, had their nana knit one of those. It was yeah. just that was their jumper back before I was alive. And all oh, right, that's what they look like. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was a little bit like Hawthorne had the brown jumper with the gold V and the HFC monogram. Came up terrific. But no one had an attachment to Hawthorne when they were rubbish. You know, they've been, they've been a great club for, I mean, really, they haven't been all that unsuccessful since the probably the mid 70s they've been around you know they've been all you know they've just been around for years and years and years they picked the one era where Hawthorne weren't any good and go oh here's a jumper you might want to have yeah 
Uh, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> I mean, eventually they ended up going to the Hawthorne jumpers with the gold backs and, you know, the Hawthorne 1989 sort of Johnny Platten, yeah. German American sort of era. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so at any rate, that's what I say. The, the eras that they were selecting were never really anything <laughs> that people had a great hold to. And if they were going with an era that people had a hold to, well, they generally had one of those jumpers anyway. Yeah, and yeah. And in a lot of cases, they hadn't changed all that much. You know, the Bulldogs sort of changed, well, I guess that they changed 97 for the, uh, put the, the Bulldog head on the front, which is the one they went back to for this year. Um, you know, the, they, in the Heritage rounds, they were wearing those jumpers. So... Mm. Yeah, so that was basically how it went. Um, why it died was, yeah, as I say, because um, nobody really had an attachment to it. I mean, there there would be people like, oh, I loved Heritage Ran. It was great to see them. But realistically, you were in the minority, um, mm. in t- certainly in terms of spending, you know, in terms of people going out and going, yeah, I, I have to get the Collingwood jumper that looks exactly like the Collingwood jumper I've already got. Yeah. Um, well, the Essendon jumper I've already got. Well, yeah. this one's got a heritage logo on it, so it's different. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah. I, I imagine as well it's probably also a time frame. Like, the what was going on in 2005, like, it was very different to what's sort of going on nowadays as well. Like, I think it would be a well, lot more successful in jumper sales. I think in that, yeah, like, that sort of era was more like new is good. Whereas I think now we're sort of a bit more open and appreciative to retro sort of the old style jumpers, and sort yeah, of I think, I think that's a that. bit more. It's getting a bit more popular nowadays than it was in the, the mid two thousands. Yeah, I think there's there's something to that. Yeah, I I would agree. There's um, yeah, the good old days <laughs> um, aren't that long ago. Really, yeah. You know? yeah, I was going to say like Heritage Round will be nineteen seventy eight in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Games that I was going to the footy on. So, <laughs> so yeah. um, what else was going on in 2005, though? I mean, we've sort of touched on Heritage uh, Round. I think we'll do uh, well, a further yeah, well, a further well, dive in on that on a separate a separate episode entirely because there's just there's just so much to go through. I think. Yeah, well, that's true, and and that's probably going to be a, a new season of Footy Jumpers podcast we'll do next year. We'll specialise rather than just doing years of of what happened in this year, what happened in that year. We'll sort of have what happened with uh, Indigenous round jumpers, what happened with uh, Heritage round jumpers. So we'll do a full episode on them. But 2005, okay, so the one of my favourites of 2005, they they started doing these, like, event-type jumpers. And, you know, we sort of talked about them the last few episodes where Geelong had a Team of the Century jumper and Melbourne had a 1,000 games at the MCG jumper. Well, Carlton had a last game at Prince's Park jumper in 2005. Mm. And... I remember said, you know, last game at Optus at Princess Park, Optus Oval, or maybe just Princess Park. Um, anyway, it was uh, 1897 to 2005. And I thought, oh, I see what they've done there. They've done that old trick of just thinking that footy started in 1897. And so I went on to uh, Bluesleyum, which uh, there's a tip for anybody, especially Carlton supporters. Bluesleyum is one of the best footy resources I mean, it is about Carlton, but um, it is one of the best footy resources going around. Uh, so on Museum, they actually talked about the fact that 
Carlton were only allowed to join the VFL in 1897 if they could get a home ground. Uh, so what they'd done is they'd moved around from ground to ground to ground. Uh, one of the things I found was that when Collingwood played their first game as a team, you know, Collingwood 1892, uh, they actually played at Victoria Park, but as the away team, because that was Carlton's home ground. Uh, so uh, I was, you know, you learn something every day. <laughs> that was what I learned that day. Victoria Park used to be Carlton's home ground, and they also played at Royal Park. They played at a place called Madeline Street. Now, Madeline Street has since... Um, become Swanston Street. Swanston Street used to end at the top of the city mm. and then when they they bashed it through and they made it, extended it and they continued it on. That used to be called Madeline Street. It's now Swanston Street. Carlton had a ground in there yeah. and basically the, the other clubs were saying, all right, well, if you're going to join the VFL, uh, you're going to have to join up and so 1897 was actually the first year that Carlton started playing games at Prince's Park uh, so so that was a, a nice thing mm. um, the thing that you find in this era and it's I mean it sort of started a little bit before 05 because Geelong and Melbourne did this but um, clubs started putting their logos on the jumpers so obviously St Kilda had been doing it since 1933 but since then, uh, Geelong put theirs on in 2001. Melbourne did it for one year in 2004, and then they revisited it later. Hawthorne put their logo on 2005. Uh, North put theirs on. Port Adelaide put their logo on the jumper. And I guess the other thing you could add, um, teams like the Bulldogs, the Lions, the Swans, they started putting the initials of their former clubs on their jumpers. So, you know, FFC for Footscray, uh, SMFC, South Melbourne, etc. Um, Brisbane Bears, Fitzroy Football Clubs is on the Lions jumpers. And, you know, with all of them, they're still using that today. They're still sort of having that um, history on their jumpers. Yeah. Uh, 2005 was the first Anzac jumpers. Uh, well, I mean, it wasn't much, but there was Anzac jumpers. Um, as in they put the Anzac logo on the jumper. And then the other thing in 05 is Richmond go back to having a sash on the back of their jumpers. Oh, yeah. I think um, were they the ones with the numbers you could like barely read or something along those lines? I remember some controversy around the numbers there. Yeah. So, well, what was happening in this era was basically the manufacturers got to decide what the numbers looked like. Uh and so the – and, well, realistically, we'll get to the, the change that happened soon. But uh, the – I think it's called Helvetica Condensed or Helvetica Bold Condensed, whatever. Um, it's – anyway, it's this font where the numbers are all squished together. They had white numbers with a black outline around them and lasted 12 rounds. And then they changed them and they went to ones that you could read, uh, like the old school – you know, footy numbers. So, yeah, mm. from rounds 1 to 12, they had this um, black outline around the white numbers that were just impossible. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea. Um, also, the, the Anzac jumpers you mentioned just a second ago. So was this with all the poppies and all that going on? or No, that, that, that all that 
crassness came later. Um, no, the Antac jumpers, which, you know, a sign of respect, they had the Antac logo on the above the AFL logo. Uh, that was for the first couple of seasons. It wasn't till recently that they started putting poppies and photos of soldiers and, and all that stuff. Um, yeah, when ISC were making the f- jumpers. But no, this is back uh, in the earlier stages. All they had was, you know, the Essendon and Collingwood jumpers and then they'd just have the Anzac logo and the year of the uh, of the game. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, right. A lot, and... it's, a bit, it's a bit like, I know the English Premier League, they have um, on... Remembrance weekend, they'll have a poppy on their shirts, yeah, and that's it, yeah. And and whereas the Americans on their remembrance, they'll have everyone decked out in full camouflage and you know <laughs> whatever and, and all that sort of stuff. So we we started off, we were more like the European sort of acknowledgement that Anzac Day celebrates a certain day, and you know, and we're going to have a jumper, and, and there it is. What we've now moved to is more like that American in-your-face, um, you know, rest in peace. You know, it's not that. It's less we forget. You know, it, it's just all, as I say, it's um, it's a bit more over the top and a bit more of that uh, sentiment that just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of, yeah, it's, it's a weird feeling with that one sometimes. You think it's the, all the respect and all that, and then you sort of... You see it from the yeah. start, and you look at you look at it slowly. Uh, what it transforms into, you sort of thinking, where, "Where's the uh, where's the point here?" Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, <laughs> and I think um, you know, and then they'll tell you, "Well, a portion of these sales go to uh, you know the RSL." You know, <laughs> what portion? One percent, five percent, ten percent, twenty-five percent. So um, a small portion. I'm yeah, just a portion. <laughs> so moving on with the yeah. um. The numbers, just because you brought it up before with Richmond. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, so what's sort of going on with that at the moment? Well, so what ha- Yeah, well, yeah, it's not like your Collingwood St Kilda style, yeah. you know, completely over the top. It's it's more certain manufacturers use certain fonts on all of their jumpers. Uh, so, you know, I sort of mentioned Helvetica bold against nike had a particular font that they were using um well they had one to begin with which was more like that um sort of squished in numbers then they moved to a really thick like a fat font um yeah so the different manufacturers had different styles Uh, i know brisbane in 2006 they started using the same font for their jumper numbers as the brisbane lions as written in their club logo you know, so they'd sort of tried to make it, what do you call it, you know, in line with the font that they were using. Mm. Um, yeah, so uh, the other one that happened was that the way the jumpers are stitched, which, you know, I call the template, the way that they're made, some of the jumpers just didn't fit the the space that they had. So obviously, well, the number one, it doesn't take up a lot of space and all the single digit numbers, they don't take up a lot of space. But number 22 is wider than number 11, for example. Uh, so the Nike jumpers, uh, sorry, the Adidas jumpers of that era, which has really affected Collingwood and Adelaide, um, the way the jumpers were cut at the back didn't allow a lot of space to print the numbers on. So all of their numbers were a little bit smaller and a little bit harder to read 
in that era. And so this all led to the AFL coming out in 2007 and then saying, these are the official numbers, that's what you're going to have to use. And everybody had to change. So all of these... um, like I say, like Helvetica condensed and the, I forget the name of the Brisbane one, but it was a particular font that they still use on their club logo. Um, yeah, all of the, the weird and wonderful ones, they all got narrowed down to a couple that the AFL said, this is what you can use for numbers. I believe that they were looking at a different font and then uh, for one reason or another, they decided not to use that and they just settled on the sort of they almost the traditional uh cut of numbers you know from the 50s through to the 90s it's and you mm. know they're the the font that they still use it's sort of similar to like a helvetica font uh which is just a an old school um font from the days of printing yeah um, yeah so so that that's sort of what changed yeah, right. And so what's the result of all that? Uh, well, the result was really the, the AFL coming out and saying, you know, we're going to have to standardise this. Yeah. It's, I think it's probably because of that Collingwood and St Kilda thing in the 80s where they started to move to their own look and go, well, you know, this is very different from everything else. I guess the other thing that it, it also... Um, helps to prove is probably the easiest way to explain it is the only way you're going to get a, a you know a club issued jumper with the right AFL numbers on it is if you get it through the right channels because you can't get those AFL numbers unless you're getting them from an AFL person or an AFL representative yeah uh, you know, merchandiser and so forth uh, so it just narrows down um, the window of who's able to provide an AFL licensed product, and yeah. that's basically the the thing that they're that they're looking to enforce. And you know, from two thousand seven, that's when all the numbers have now got the AFL logo on them, and that's part of the the branding of those um, yeah the branding of those numbers moving forward. Uh, we'll put these on the website through the each. Each podcast has a, a page, and so we'll put the podcast on there, uh, the links to what the numbers look like. I mean, you know what numbers look like because they haven't changed <laughs> since 2007, really. But, yeah. uh, if you want to yeah. see a game, they're still wearing pretty much the same numbers today. I'm but, surprised um, that change was so late, 2007. Really, you know, the standardised number thing, it just feels like that's something that been around forever or should have been around forever or something. I don't well, know. I think what happened, yeah, I think what happened was, you know, back in the day, there weren't that many people making numbers. And if they made numbers, well, you had this idea in your head of that's what numbers should look like. And then St Kilda brought out the, like a World Cup thing in the early 80s, you know, came out of the soccer. Mm. And then that was their number. And then Collingwood had the block number, which is more like American-style numbers. And then after a few years, they both just sort of went back to the old-school, you know, standard numbers. But then when this printed technology, you know, the sublimation printing sort of came about, and now all the numbers are just, all you know, you can put anything 
on the back of your jumpers. That's when the AFL stepped in and said, well, actually, no, nah, we can't have numbers you can't read. You know, the game's now designed for watching on TV, not to be at the game. You've got to be able to see them on telly. You've got to be able to know who's who. Mm. Um, so that's when they went with the... Um, the numbers with the AFL logo on them. This is an official AFL number and you can't use anything else. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so that's how they did it. Yeah, right. And so is that sort of it for this era? We sort of had the event jumpers, um, the templates well, and the number yeah, fonts. We're probably, we're probably getting close to about time. But the one thing I'll give you is the 2008 uh, Melbourne and Richmond both put logos on their home jumpers, um, which a little bit different to, you know, what I was talking about with the Geelong and Melbourne and Hawthorne, you know, putting their logo on their jumper. This was a like a special event. Oh, Melbourne was 150 years and Richmond was 100 years in the VFL, AFL. And so they both sort of created a logo just for the year and then they wore that on all of their jumpers for that season. That was probably the only major thing. Um, well, I guess you could also say West Coast dropped their Flying Eagle uh, and put the club logo eagle in 2007. I forgot that one. That was another thing that happened. And the slight change was the Sydney Swans. Uh, that was also in 2006. What they did was they took the... Like, basically, the Sydney Swans jumper was like the Melbourne yoke, and then the bottom of it was cut off and the opera house was put in there. <laughs> well, when they designed the club logo, they designed it to fit like a club logo should. So what they've had since 2006 is actually the logo from the club logo is now what's on the front of the jumpers, not just a Melbourne yoke with an opera house on the bottom. It's tailored specific to what the club logo looks like. So there, and that's really it, you know, from 2005 to 2008, they were the, that was what was sort of going on with footy uniforms, footy jumpers. Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, as uh, as Rob mentioned earlier on, I got all these resources are on the footyjumpers.com podcast 11, and so you can have a look, check out the numbers, check out the, uh, the couple little heritage previews we've got there as well and um i think next episode we'll run it from about 2009 to about 2014 15 and we're getting we're getting closer and closer to the end of the series obviously with um coming up to the modern day 22 23 and once we do that then yeah we'll we'll jump into a further look into things like heritage round as we mentioned on this podcast but um yeah for now i think that's probably it and thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next episode talk to you next time cheers bye see ya